It's playoff time. Big stakes, bigger promotions. Every day of basketball and hockey playoffs, DraftKings will have $20,000 in total prizes up for grabs. The best part? It's free for you to get a shot at these daily cash prizes. DraftKings will be offering two free play pools every day of the NBA playoffs, offering players a free shot at $20,000 in total prizes. All you have to do is answer a handful of questions around what you think is going to happen during that day's game and track the results throughout the evening. DraftKings is safe, secure, and reliable, so you can deposit and withdraw your money at your convenience. Download the top-rated DraftKings app now and use promo code THPN when you sign up to get your free shot at $20,000 in total prizes every day of the playoffs. Head to DraftKings pool page to get your shot at huge cash prizes. That's promo code THPN for a limited time only at DraftKings. Eligibility restrictions apply. See DraftKings.com for full details. minutes by yourself and you feel shame you know and then you get free the only thing better than a glass of beer is tea with miss mcgill And welcome to the 4th Line Voice Podcast. My name is Darren. Thank you very much for tuning in. Episode 108 of the big show, some enforcer-based podcasting coming at you. Brought to you by the Hockey Podcast Network. How's everybody doing out there? Another wacky Wednesday. Got a fun guest for you today. Returning guest. Again, a continuation of the five my five toughest opponents series. We've had uh, uh, Mazer and Graf and McMorrow and Mayrad. Riley Emerson, come back and do it. And uh, got another one today. Returning guest, Joey Tedarenko. Joey was great the first get, the first time around. I, enc- I encourage everybody to go back and check out my full-length interview with Joey. It's episode 6. Um, great guest. Lots of fun to talk to. And I've been meaning to get him back on the show for a while now. And uh, I figured this would be a, a perfect uh, opportunity to do that uh, with this series. And uh, again, I'm putting the cart before the horse because I have not talked to him yet. Um, we have it actually booked for tonight. So I wanted to do the intro first. That way when I'm done, I can just slap this intro onto the uh, interview. And uh, boom, out the door it goes to the network. And it'll be up for your consumption today, I guess, as, as you're listening to it. But uh, for Wednesday morning. So, um, yes. So I won't talk for very long here because I don't know how long Joey and I are going to talk for because I know last time when I had him on, I think his interview is almost three hours, and I I think we literally talked for another hour and a half after the interview off air. So uh, it was a lot of fun that day, and uh, Joey told some great stories. So again, I encourage you to check the interview out. It's it's one of my favorites. Um, but uh, before we get into all that, uh, like I said, I'm a member of the Hockey Podcast Network. There's over 50 shows on the network. All the NHL teams are represented, so whatever team you're a fan of, there's a show for you. Of course, that, those guys are in uh, 
uh, warp speed right now uh, with the playoffs happening and everything. Uh, you know, lots for those guys to talk about. So, um, again, if your team is in the playoffs, uh, th- those guys will be bringing content to you. So this is their time of year right now. So uh, I I don't know anything about any of that. All I know is, uh, yeah, it's, it's all over my timeline. And uh, what I, I did see Tom Wilson orbit somebody into the boards or into their own bench. That was pretty funny. And uh, Lanza got Lanza's cog fought uh, Shen, and uh, actually really kind of took it to Shen, which was surprising. And um, to be completely honest, I don't think I've ever seen either of them fight or, or ever paid attention. It, apparently, it's some big deal that Shen got kind of beat up. I'm like, I don't know. I I didn't know Shen was supposed to be a tough guy, but um, whatever. I mean, they're fighting in the playoffs and. Uh, you know, you guys are apparently, some of you are enjoying it, so I could give two shits, but whatever. That's that's the way it is. But if you want to listen to all about it, there's a show on the network for you. Um, of course, for my off-network friends, it is Joe Lazito over at the Coliseum Chronicles. It's an Islander Enforcer-based podcast. Uh, Joe has, well, here we are. Here I, I'm, Despite the heat and everything that's going on, I'm bringing you content. And there's Lazito. Phoning it in. Reruns. He stuck a rerun in on us, folks. No, Joe's got, uh, at, the, at, at any rate, you should be going back. And if you have not, uh, I encourage you to go back and check out Joe's back catalog. It's uh, tremendous. He's interviewed Mick Fakota, Dean Ewan, Strudwig, Asham Bolton, everybody. Paul Cruz. Um, yeah. And Joe, uh, and like I said, him and I, uh, fairly similar formats in the fact, you know, we'd like timeline a guy's career and really go in depth. So you really learn about the player. And, um, and like I said, Joe, and I've always said, Joe's old. There's no, you know, there's no polite way of putting it. That's just the way it is. So, I mean, you know, he, uh, he's, he's thorough and, uh, no, Joe, like I said, Joe's been around. He, he helped write the, he helped Stan Fisher on the Bad Boys books. Um, he was a real big contributor on the Tough Guy magazines. Of course, but the listeners out there, you know those magazines that would come out once a year in the 90s there uh, by Hockey Stars. And uh, yeah, Joe was a big contributor to those. And um, yeah, just a real knowledgeable dude. Joe's a great guy. So I encourage you to get, to uh, definitely check his show out. Joe, your stuff is in the mail. I finally got it to you. Well, some of it. Some of it's on the Angry Little Lazitos on the way and a few other things. Um he wanted to get the hell out of town, so I, I shipped him to New York. No one other than Joe knows what I'm talking about, but that's okay. Um, so there's a there's a, a little bit of it coming. For the rest of you, uh, uh, Jay out in Finland and a couple others, uh, I have not forgotten about you. Uh, it's just at this point, everything is packed as we are selling our condo. It is actually listed. Got listed today. Guy came and took pictures yesterday. It is up online as of about three hours ago so uh fingers crossed i'm hoping it doesn't take long to sell um i'm hoping we don't get too much of an ass kicking condo market isn't that great around here right now um it's not bad it's better than it's been and uh i've heard of a few uh bidding type of thing not crazy like it was but there's been there's interest anyway and i mean uh you know fingers crossed hopefully uh you know we can get out of it and uh onto the house and uh, in a perfect world, we'd be in there by August and unpacked, and uh, that way the wife will be ready for the new school year, and I will be ready to bring you 
All new content at the fourth line. Well, I'm always bringing new content. That doesn't make any sense. But at any rate, I'll be in, tucked away in the corner basement room uh, with all my stuff surrounding me. And uh, I, I have a few things planned for the fall once it, once we're settled and in our house and everything. Um, some stuff with the YouTube channel with some videos. Um, plan on kind of setting up. I don't want to say a whole studio because that's not true because I wouldn't know where to start to set up a studio. Um, I, I think getting an extra mic, I wouldn't really classify that as being a studio, but there's a few characters I'd like to have on, um, and maybe just do like a live show with them and, you know, we could sit there with some beers and, and, uh, or an in-person, not live, but an in-person, um, interview. And, uh, there's a few guys that I want to talk to about that. But, uh, of course, obviously with, uh, COVID and make sure everybody gets vaccinated and all that stuff. If you're not vaccinated, you ain't coming in. So, uh, <laughs> but, uh. No, well, uh, you know, we got obviously got to clear with all that stuff, and, uh, and before we start talking about uh, people visiting or anything like that, but uh, for interviews, but uh, there's definitely a few guys I'd like to ask to, uh, to come over and be on the air. So uh, we will see how that goes. But uh, like I said, hopefully the 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 con. I'm, I'm as I'm sitting here, I'm just sort of spinning around in my chair, looking around, and I actually can't believe how clean the place is and how empty it looks. I think I'm echoing as I'm talking. That's how empty it is. I mean, not that we were hoarders or anything before, but I mean, you live, as anybody out there knows, if you live somewhere for 13 years, you collect a lot of shit. So when you put all that shit into Rubbermaid tubs and haul it off to the farm, uh, it's, it's amazing, uh, how, how empty everything is after. So, uh, yeah, we're kind of bare essentials over here right now because, you know, because they got to show it and everything. So you kind of don't want too much stuff lying around. So anyway, no one tuned in to hear my first world problems. But uh, that's what's going on in my life. Uh, so the I want to say the show will continue uh, Wednesdays and Sundays, but uh, I'm not quite sure. I mean, who knows? I mean, if the weekend comes and I'm not able to record because showings are happening or whatever, and I mean, uh, you know, obviously, you know, life is a little more important than a podcast. So um, you know, I might uh, I might pull a Lazito and stick a rerun in on you, but. Uh, uh, hopefully not too, hopefully uh, we won't be unsettled for too long here, guys, and we can get back to it. But like I said, I have some really, some really cool stuff coming up here in the fall. I, at least I think it's cool, some good ideas. So, uh, yeah, we will see. But like I said, every, every Wednesday around here is interview day, uh, in a, in a perfect world if I can get guys. And, uh, Sunday is, uh, my rant episode or whatever you want to call it, shit show Sunday. So definitely the last one I just did, um, I had Alec from the Five for Fighting podcast on, and uh, we went over the top 10 all-time LNAH fighters. I had sent, uh, I request about 50 people from uh, diehard fans to ex-players of the league, um, and I asked them to do their all-time top 10, and I, I, I did some calculations and some math and assigned numbers and blah, 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 and came up with sort of a definitive list of the top 10. And uh, that was Sunday's episode, and I had Alec on. Alec's a big LNH fan, so I figured there'd be nothing more fitting than having him on. And uh, he didn't know the list ahead of time, so as I was reading it, he was finding it out. So, And then, you know, obviously we talked about the 10 guys, and uh, it was a lot of fun. Anytime I could talk about the old crazy Quebec League, I enjoy it. So um, definitely looking forward to having more uh, former players from that league on, and I'm working on it. I've got a few guys in the mix here. Talking to him again with kind of life's up and downs right now. We're trying to uh, plan something and everything else. So uh, 
I'm not like I always do. I don't. I'm not going to name names of who I'm talking to, but um, a couple. Um, I mean, they're all they're all going to be fun to talk to or whatever. But I know I have a couple guys that I know are quite popular with the folks, and uh, and I'm pretty sure they've never done podcasts before. Well, I know one has never done a podcast before, and uh, and he's sort of a le- minor league legend and uh, in the Western League and in and over in the UK and wherever he's gone. Um, you're pretty quiet dude, and, uh, and like I know, so he's never done any shows, so um, I, I know I kind of, I don't want to say I talked him into it, but I kind of talked him into it, and uh, he's a pretty shy dude, but uh, he's got some stories to tell, and he can vividly remember every fight, which is really cool, so, um, and he's a busy dude, though, he works two jobs and has four kids, so, uh, you know, tried to book a time, and then, you know, of course, my life too, right, so, um, but I will definitely... Um, he sent me his fight card and we've gone back and forth, so it will happen. It was, it's just creating a time to make it happen. And I'm really looking forward to bringing that interview to you guys. But like I said, I won't spoil it yet, but it, it'll be a good one. But, um, anyway, enough of that. What would I talk about? Oh, Lozito. Give me the Lozito! Um, also, Dan, Paul, and Kelly at the Obey the Puck show and Fred and Dave at the Slewfoot show. A couple current hockey shows. As I always say, my brother likes to laugh at me, but uh, I listen to them so I don't have to watch. And they keep, and I'm updated. I'm I'm up to date. Updated. I'm up to date. I have my finger on the pulse when I listen to them. Ear to the ground, or is it ear to the? No, what is it? To the grapevine? I don't know. Something like that. But uh, no, they're they're good people, and definitely check out their shows. And, uh, well, and apparently Alec at the Five for Fighting show, I don't know, the Brett Favre podcasting, retiring, coming back, retiring, I guess now he's coming back, I don't know, whatever that, his mud show, yeah, he'll get, he'll be back on the air, well, I was told today he has a very good radio voice, so, yeah, he's got a face for radio too, but, uh, no, Alec, I'm really looking forward to Alec's show coming back once he moves down, everyone's moving, once he moves down, uh, uh further into that friggin' swamp in Florida and they get settled and... You know, he's, he's, he's got his, you know, he's, he's chasing the wife down there. She's the breadwinner, you know. I don't know, it's just him and his dog and whatever, whatever uh, job he can manage to scrounge up. I don't even know where he works, who knows. He's always on the hustle for something. But uh, once he's down there in Fort Myers or Fort Lucy or what, Myrtle Beach, wherever he's going, I don't know. I All I know is Orlando. I just know Disney World. That's all I know. And, and uh, Kissimmee. I know that too. I've been there. But other than that, that's all I know about Florida. Maybe I think that's all I want to know about Florida. But uh, I want him to go to Mer- Somebody in the listening audience, if you're in Florida and you go to Myrtle Beach Pelican Games, I want one of those beer bats. It's dollar beers apparently, and you get it in a big plastic beer bat. I want one of those beer bats. So if anybody in the sound of my voice goes to Myrtle Beach Pelican Games... Old Salem, make yourself useful. Go down there. Grab me a... I know you don't drink anymore, so I don't know. Pay the dollar, pour the beer out, and bring the bat back for me. It'll be, it'll be something in your Christmas sock for that. But uh, there, there's the mission of the day. Somebody out there, get me a beer bat. It'll be definitely appreciated. But, uh, I don't know. What am I talking about here? I'm just rambling. Idiotically. How about I just... Sh- oh! Fourth line, if you're on social media, fourth line voice at Facebook as well as Twitter. Um, yeah, if you're into that social media type thing. Also, fourth line voice on YouTube. Uh, 
definitely check out my YouTube account. Subscribe to the YouTube account. Um, over 2,500 videos. Um, I actually, I just put up a Gino Ojek Quebec junior fight on there. Um, and I got, I got a couple of McCarthy fights, Sandy McCarthy fights from Laval, the Teton, when they're playing the Quebec League, or the Quebec Junior League. And uh, with the blonde mohawk and all that stuff. Sandy's a bad dude, man, in junior, I'll tell you. Um, but oh, my boy Napes there sent me a, a bunch of DVDs, and I'm going through them, and I had a lot of fun checking those out. And uh, I will be uploading uh, when I have time. So definitely subscribe to the channel. Like I said, there's already 2,500 videos on there. They're all sorted. Whatever league you're looking for, NHL, AHL, Junior, blah, blah, blah. Type it in, boom, they'll all come up. Um, you know, I try to try to put some unique stuff like Colt Lord Jr. and Bugard when he's in Prince George and uh, different minor league stuff. Um, you know, there is NHL fights on there too, of course. But uh, like I said, I try, to, I try to do unique stuff that maybe wasn't on YouTube. Um, you know, some John Morasti East Coast League stuff or uh, some John Morasti with the Kindersley Clippers. How about that? Got a few of those fights. Got a great fight with him and Jason Goulet from the SJHL on there. Some old BCHL. Uh, Bland- Brandon Fleener and the boys. J- uh, Nabseth. And yeah, there's uh, there's lots of stuff on there that's uh, some rare shit. So definitely check it out. Uh, like I said, subscribe to the channel. Um, also, guys... Um, the big one, there is the GoFundMe. Of course, Steve from when Probert was king um, is trying to set up the Drop Your Gloves site again that went down that we all uh, love and miss. Um, but yeah, he's trying to bring it back, but it's an expensive proposition. And uh, so he started to go, it's like 10 grand to uh, do it the way he wants to do it. I mean, with all the fight cards and the video and, and everything, um, you know, bigger and better than ever, and it's a great site. Everybody listening to the show, you know how great Drop Your Gloves was. And uh, uh, so Steve's just trying to get it going. And pretty well, the efforts are stalled. We're about halfway there, but the efforts are stalled, guys. Not a lot of donations coming in in the last week or two, uh, which is really disappointing to see. And um, I'm hoping you guys listen. I know a lot of you guys are big Drop Your Gloves fans, I'm not seeing your name on the donation list. I, I do this every episode. I give you guys shit. I hate having to do it, but it's like, it's true. You know, and I get tough times for some people, and I completely understand that. But there's some folks out there that could could spare a few bucks. And, and like I said, it doesn't have to be hundreds of dollars or anything. 20 bucks. Like I said, on the Enforcer Appreciation Group, I said we, po- we posted this the other day. There's over 14,000 members. Shit, if everybody gave a dollar, the site would be up again already. You know? You know, but all of a sudden you ask for donations and everybody's got alligator arms. But every third post they're bitching about how much they missed drop your gloves. Well, for missing it, you're not acting like it. You know, talk is cheap. So if, if you're out there in the sound of my voice and you can afford a couple dollars, please donate. Um, you know, let's get this back up. That's a great site. And it, uh, you know, there are no message boards anymore. And the fight card, like hockeyfights.com sucks for fight cards. And I mean, oh yeah, the fights, yeah, if it's, you know, oh awesome if it isn't. If it's older than five years, forget it. So, I mean, this had all the videos on it, minor leagues and juniors. And, yeah, so, I mean, it was ten times what HockeyFights.com is. So, I mean, I don't have to sell you on it. You guys know what Drop Your Gloves was. But this is going to be bigger and better and run by fight fans. So, it's, uh, yeah, I mean, I can't sell it enough. So, please give. If you're not on social media, get a hold of me. Uh, HockeyFights at Hotmail.com, all lowercase. Send me an email. Say, hey, Darren, can you send me the link? I want to donate. I'll, I'll boom, I'll get it right out to you. So please, let's get this done and uh, and back up online because it's a, it's definitely missed for sure. Other than that, guys, uh, if you could please rate and review my show, my podcast, 
It helps me in the searches, whatever platform you happen to be listening to. Also, it sounds so funny when I say this, but could you download the episode? Don't stream it. I get paid by the download. Seriously, I do get paid by the download. So, uh, yes, streaming it does not help me. So, so if you're streaming it right now, hit stop, download it, and, and please listen. I'm, I know I'm asking a lot. and It sounds kind of sad and pathetic, but... Hey, I'm, I'm moving. I, I gotta pay. I gotta pay these. I gotta pay my realtor fees. No, that sounds so pretentious when you say it like that. I don't know. I just need a couple bucks, whatever, you know, so I can donate to the Drop Your Glove. Well, I have donated to the Drop Your Glove site, but yeah, I can donate more to the Drop Your Glove site if you download my shit. So <laughs> I don't know. If you just download it, that'd be cool, guys. I'd appreciate it in all seriousness. But, uh, yeah, rate and review the show, great. Hey, like I said, if you're on social media, get a hold of me. If there's something you want to hear, didn't like, did liked, didn't like, tell me to shut the fuck up, whatever. Send me a message and let me know. But uh, without further ado, I'll, I will zip it and let's get on with it. Here is my uh, discussion of with Joey Tedarenko about his, of his five, is it about his? I don't even know what I'm saying anymore. It's Joey Tedarenko's five toughest opponents. Let's get at it. Thanks, guys. We'll talk to you on Sunday. All right, here we are in the fourth line voice. Returning guest. Looking forward to this. Very good review is the first time you're on, so had to get back on. None other than Joey Tedarenko. Joey, how are you doing tonight? I'm doing great. Thanks for having me back. It's, uh, it's a lot of fun to uh, follow what you're doing and be a part of it. So uh, honored, honored to, to have a second go at it. Well, thanks, man. when you... Uh, kind of like fighting sometimes you never get to go a guy again but uh, i guess here we go yeah, absolutely and uh yes and for those listening uh please check out the back catalog i believe it was episode six that uh joey and i sat down and actually covered his entire career right from uh the humble beginnings in st louis saskatchewan all the way to the bright lights of the nhl we cover it all and uh but i've had a few guys come back uh josh mazer chris graff uh, Riley Emerson, the latest, and I'm kind of doing a, se- a series called like the five toughest opponents, and it could be from different times in your career, junior, pro, or whatever. I just kind of leave it up to you. Kind of told, gave you the heads up on what we're doing, and uh, I mean, I'm sure we, you know, we obviously probably talked about this in the full length interview as well, but I don't never really broke it down to like your top five or whatever. So I think uh, I, I think the people will be interested in your in your list here. Well, yeah, I've, actually, when you gave me the uh, the little heads up of what we were going to go over, I've, I've got many, many names that uh, I think people would be interested in. Maybe some didn't know that I fought some of them. But, um, you know, I so much respect for anybody who did the job playing playing hockey. So, you know, if, if, if I miss somebody, it's not a slight on you. It's probably because you hit me so hard that I forgot. So <laughs> but there's a lot of... A lot of really tough customers that I was uh, I was silly enough to drop the gloves with. So I don't know. How do you want to start it off? Well, I was gonna say, yeah. I mean, you got a pretty sick fight card, and uh, you know, from the from the definitely from the '90s in the Western Hockey League, and then and then through to your pro career. Um, I, I know when I was at Chris Graff's place, he's got a bunch of pictures of you kicking his ass. I know that. Uh, I know, and I, and I, and I, have, I keep meaning to uh, get up to Edmonton and bring him, uh, bring him another picture. He or or go see his place, or 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 have a look at what he's got, and maybe get one signed from him and, and sign one for him. So, yeah, it's uh, haven't forgot about him. So that's for sure. Oh, absolutely! I've been in the basement there. You got a belly up to the bar. 
built his bar classy built by Sean Legault down in the in the basement we hung out there and and drank beers all afternoon and uh and told some stories it was a lot of fun so yeah you yeah you definitely got to get up to Edmonton Graffer's uh Graffer's a beauty yeah he was uh he was like he was a real little guy and we'll kind of start off maybe in the western league with the toughest guys even in our own division like sure uh Chris Graff who I fought a ton um another guy who who like I'm a pound for pound tough and then he gets brought up a lot in a lot of different podcasts and from a lot of guys. Paul Ferrone, who was in Seattle, he started off in Portland, was there for a couple months and then was traded to Seattle. But I fought Paul one night, and he uh, he's the kind of guy, he's quiet, unassuming, but once he, once he starts fighting, his eyes just turn red, and he throws lefts so hard. And he hit me he hit me square right in the nose, kind of between my nose and my teeth, and he actually cracked the bone. Uh, at the bottom of my nose, my teeth. So he kind of actually he broke my mustache bone. So uh, I always remember that because it was uh, it was tough a couple weeks with my teeth so sore. So yeah, those two guys were definitely definitely in junior, you know, pound for pound, some of the toughest guys. We we played them so much. Like we would play back when there was the Western Division, but American teams played each other so much. Like playing Seattle, like. 10 or 12 times a year in Spokane, 8 or 10 times a year. There was just always stuff going on with those guys. And, you know, when you move up into BC, like probably one of the toughest guys that I fought, he would probably be in my top five, would be Scott Parker, for sure. So Scott was, I was lucky to only have to fight him when he was a younger guy in the Western Hockey League, but he was like, he was a man amongst men. He was so big, he was so strong, and he was a mean guy. So on the ice, he was a mean guy. Off the ice, he was an individual. Uh, but you know, I always knew going into Kelowna that I'd have to uh, that I'd have to, you know, stick up for my teammates or myself if Scott started running around. So we've had some some pretty epic battles going toe to toe, and not a lot of defense. I just had to make sure that I stayed away from that right hand and and tried to counter punch as best as I could and stay on my feet and not let him throw me around or throw me down too early. So. Um, yeah, so Scott's definitely in my in my top five toughest guys that I fought, and then also in that division, another one of the toughest guys I fought was Adeno Chara, and, and you know, Chara coming in, a lot of people don't consider him as a as a tough guy or a fighter. It's just fighting somebody that big and that strong, and and being in, him being able to throw punches. I always say it was like fighting a helicopter that you just kind of had to hold on and, and try and be smart. But uh, yeah, he. Uh, he uh, he beat me pretty good. Caught me with a couple pretty dirty ones, and and then uh, never got to do it again. Never got not never got any uh, retribution from him. So oh. that's one thing I'm disappointed about. <laughs> yeah. yeah, I mean that's that's like a whole different game plan when you when you're definitely when you're fighting someone that tall. I mean it's just like I guess I get what do you try to do? I guess just try to pull him in. Like you know, I guess you got to try to go inside. I yeah. guess. Yeah, you got to go inside and, and and where you grab him and, and your angles in which you're, you got to make sure that he doesn't control you with his grab. Um, but it just didn't work out for me. Actually, I was it was in a scrum and and we kind of got paired up and and I guess in my defense, I want to say that I wasn't ready, but I, I don't know if it would have worked out the, the, <laughs> the same or different if we would have squared off. Um, but he got a good one in right off the start, and I was kind of reeling from there, and then. Uh, tried to get some momentum back in the fight and then he absolutely uh landed another one over my left eye in the same spot where he got me before and then i was uh 
yeah, I was getting stitches in the Prince George Hospital. So um, that's the only time I think that uh, anybody's ever kind of made me lose a little bit of time. Right. But, uh, yeah, I could say it was from the biggest man who ever played hockey anyway. so Or one of the biggest men who's ever played hockey. And he's yeah. still playing. I believe it. Good for him. Yeah, exa- yeah exactly. That's hard to believe, isn't it? Wow. You know, it... Um... I was just sort of, um, before we get going on, um, of course, you started in the Western League with the Portland winner. Well, you were with Portland the whole time, but you started in Portland at 16. Um, and I know we talked about it in your other interview, but uh, I've, we're just talking about tough guys. Um, one of the toughest guys that I saw that that you played with was uh, was the late Brad Symes. Um, you had, do you have any stories about Symes? Not well, I've got some stories about Simer. He was just such a great role model for me when I was coming in at sixteen. He was uh he was eighteen at the time and, and kinda of had, you know, gone through almost kind of an identical journey as myself. He came in as a really young kid to Portland and he was fighting a lot. And uh, you know, he kinda of showed me the ropes. I always I always thought of Simer as, as as a big brother and a mentor. Uh he played defense like I did. He fought a lot of the guys um before me. Um you know, he was just, he was one of those guys that he was so strong. And I always, I always thought like any, anytime you even thought Simon was out of a fight, he would always come, could come back with a right hand right through someone's head and knock him out. So he was never out of any fight and, and he just punched so hard. And, and, uh, you know, he's something that, that I looked up to the years that I was in Portland. And it was, uh, it was pretty heartbreaking to hear, to hear the news when, when he passed away. So, yeah. Yeah, I was just uh, I was kind of checking out some kind of some older Portland footage, and and he happened to be on there. And uh, actually, I was watching him and uh, Kale Hulse just dummying dudes. It was just like, oh man! <laughs> like I guess Hulse was gone by the time you got there, wasn't he? Yeah. Hulse was gone by the time. Uh, like the year before I got there, Kale Hulse was Hulse was there. I think Johnny Baduke was there the year or, the, or, or two before I was there. Um, you know, an absolute animal fan favorite in Portland. So, yeah. so coming in when I was 16 years old, there was basically, well, Dave Kamek was still there, but he had right after training camp, he had got traded to Seattle. Um, so it was just kind of myself and, uh, and Brad Symes there for a little bit. And so, you know, uh, trial by fire, just kind of get into it and, uh, and went at it. So I was, uh, I was a little, I was a little apprehensive, I guess you could say when I, when I first started, but after a couple of fights as a 16 year old, I kind of got the confidence, realized I could do this. Cause I was, uh, I was a pretty big kid, even for 16 year old, I was already almost six two, 200 pounds as a 16 year old. So, so I guess I could handle my own or, and, and kind of dive straight into it with, with both hands, I guess you could say. Now, was that something that kind of came naturally to you, the fighting? Like, were you kind of always aggressive and like going into, I mean, I know your dad played and stuff. So it's like, I mean, you, I mean, you weren't coming into this, you know, uh, unaware of what was going to go, what was going to go on in the Western Hockey League in 1994. I mean, were you ready for the fighting? Um, I think, you know, I'd fought in in a couple, uh, camps before I had gotten to junior, um, and done pretty well. I've always been an aggressive player and somebody who always stuck up for his teammates, whether it was in a scrum or, or just anywhere around the ice. And, and as the next level of fighting came into it, I, I kind of, I think I knew I was going to have to do it. So it's not like I was naive 
you said that would happen, especially playing in the, like you said, playing in the Western League in the mid nineties. That's you know, if you don't know you're going to have to get into a fight, then you know you, <laughs> you're not smart enough to even put on the skates, maybe. Because even back then, we, we talked about before, even the goal scorers and stuff got into a couple fights a year. Everybody always kind of defended their teammates and, and, and ha- had had to defend themselves at times. All the line balls that we used to have, and 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 you had to be able to defend yourself to not be taken advantage of. So it was just something that you know I knew was going to happen. Um, I guess lucky enough, I I enjoyed it somewhat and uh, and was was okay at it. So so it just kind of was, was a, an extra part of my game, so to speak. So that I could do and and in defending my teammates and being part of a team was is, is a great thing. It's, it's something that I that I, I love doing. Absolutely. Well, uh, you kind of you obviously mentioned Parker and stuff, so I guess we'll kind of we'll kind of do the list here. Um, I, I don't know. Well, I guess we can go five to one. Um, you know, who's your, I guess in, uh, Joey Tenerenko's, uh, top five toughest opponents, who's number five? Number five, I would say, um, I fought him when I was a young, young guy and you, you had a, you put a video of, of us, Eric Goddard. I played with him with, in Louisville and, and Eric was just a, when we played with each other in Louisville, he was just 20 years old and he would just start fighting in pro and I had been in pro for a couple of years. And then when I got traded, traded over to Ottawa and, and over to Binghamton, uh, we actually had a playoff series against them. And he had fought Dennis Bondi a couple of times. And then I actually fought him as well. And, and the guy's so strong. He could throw both hands and a very technical fighter for a very big guy. He just didn't, he just didn't square off and throw big rights or big lefts. He was, he was actually uh, heavy handed both, both right and left. So um, you really had to be prepared and very technical whenever you fought. Or you fought, um, uh, good friend of mine, but that happens. It was, it's all part of the game. Yeah, uh, tucked by the hand of God, right? Yeah, he. Uh, that, <laughs> that's a bad dude, man. Oof. And I, I, and it's very it, bad dude. Yeah, and like I said, I was lucky to get him while he was still young because he started really tearing people apart later on in his career when he went from uh, the Islanders to Pittsburgh, Calgary, those kind of places. So. Yeah, it's and it's interesting with Goddard. I mean, uh, I don't, and I don't know why, but it, it, it's like you know you're on the fight groups and whatever, and you talk to people. It's almost like he's. Uh, I want to say he's almost like he's underrated by people. Like I mean, you say his name oh, and they're absolutely. like, "Oh yeah, yeah, yeah," you know. But it's like there's always the conversation. It's always like Larock and Brashear and you know, and, and rightfully so, and Belak and guys like that. But it's like and McGrath and Boogie yeah. and all that. But it's like Goddard never seems to come up in the conversation, and it's like, like he he no, probably... he never come up. But he, he, he I, I, he's one of those guys that he, he's a hard guy to beat. So, uh, I don't know, it, just for me personally, for the guys that I fought, I always, I always had a lot of respect for him, how he fought, um, and for his size and stuff like that. He's, uh, he, he's definitely one of the toughest guys I, I, I've fought. Oh, yeah, and I mean, every guy that I've had on this show, when you when they bring up Eric Goddard's name, they're like, oh, yeah, he was, the guy was unbelievable. You know, and it was just like, yeah. yeah, it's just, it's just interesting every once in a while. It's just like, you think, it's, it's like, he doesn't get mentioned a lot of t- by, by fans sometimes. And it's like, nah, they should, they should really go back and look at the footage because he, he put the hurt on dudes for sure. Uh, yeah. Really I, good dude as well. Oh, yeah. From, yeah. I still can't believe that 2000 Louisville team you played on. 
Like that was just like ridiculous. <laughs> I know. Like, for, it was. It was almost. It was well. So we were in the same division as Philadelphia, and so it's kind of it was an arms race. So we had uh, Brent Thompson. We called them the Thompson Twins. Brent Thompson, Rocky Thompson, myself, Eric Goddard. It's, it's like we had just a bunch of a bunch of people just to make sure that we were we were ready when we were playing uh, when we were playing Philadelphia. So it was uh, there was some. They had Frankie Lassard, uh, Frank Lyle Lewis was there for a little bit. Um, who else there? Um, I always forget his name. It's somebody who's super tough that I don't think gets enough uh, recognition just because he didn't play in the NHL. He played in Worcester and Philly. No, oh, McLaren, Stone Cold. Yeah, Stone Cold, Steve McLaren. So it was guys like that. So it, it, they would have, you know, at least three tough guys in their lineup, and we would have the same. So it was, it was always, uh, there was always melees going on whenever we played Philly, so. Yeah. Oh, absolutely. And uh, yeah. <laughs> so uh, number f- hands of God, uh, the hand of God, Eric Goddard, number five. So number four. Number four, I would say Mr. Bone, Dennis Bondi. So uh, not a not a very tall guy, but very very strong. Threw both hands. Very technical fighter. You, you know, I only fought him once, and then I ended up playing with him in Binghamton. Uh, super guy. Love Dennis, love being a teammate of his. Um, he, the first time we fought, he was in Philadelphia when I was in New Haven, and I was just lucky. And I think it was the year after he had gotten the 600 or 700 minutes in Hamilton or something like that. And uh, it, it was it was before you looked at YouTube or knew anything, all you had was game notes, but everybody knew who Dennis was. Um, everybody on my team told me who Dennis was. And, and I don't think I ever even really meant to to fight Dennis at that time. I, I just turned 20 years old, but, you know, it was just one of those games, playing Philadelphia, gets chippy, you know, scrum, and all of a sudden we're, we're, we're there in front of the benches, and then we drop the gloves and square off, and uh, had a pretty good go. But uh, I, I definitely found out really quick how tough I was we're in the back in uh, 1998, so fighting him. And, uh, you know, kind of didn't realize, okay, fought, did well but didn't realize how well I did because then you see him after just destroying guys and playing with him, he was destroying guys. And, and so really a uh, really tough individual. And when I say tough, you know, it doesn't mean knocking guys out, which is part of it, but somebody who can take a punch and knows how to fight and knows how to grab and just, you know, you always had to be on edge. You always had to be on edge because one mistake and not protecting yourself. A lot of times you, you go into a fight and you just want to kill somebody. You forget about protecting yourself because you want to beat them so bad that uh, you can leave yourself vulnerable. And he's one of those guys that he was so smart and could throw both hands that if you uh, let your guard down on the defensive end, you could be uh, you could be kissing the blue line in a hurry. So he's definitely one of the toughest guys that I fought. No, absolutely. Like you said, true legend in the game and all-time penalty minute leader. And, I mean, that dude fought everybody. And, uh, yeah, I was going to ask you when you're – well, even when you're playing against him but playing with him, was he a big guy uh, – he seems like he's a big yapper out there. Is he a big talker, always getting shit going? Dennis hasn't stopped talking since he came to the room, and I don't. I think he'll probably keep talking a couple days after he's dead. Uh, he just doesn't <laughs> stop talking. Even, like, whether it's in the dressing room during warm-up, he's always talking. He's like the, he was like the Jimmy Hart of hockey. He was always 
stirring stuff up, trying to settle things down, trying to match this up and telling people what they're going to do and stuff like that. It's amazing. It was awesome. It's entertaining, very entertaining. Uh, some people didn't like it, but I thought it was very entertaining. I always, I always had a lot of respect for his trash talk and, and his, his personality. So great dude. Absolutely. Well, there you go. Uh, all right. Uh, number three. Number three, I'd have to go with Colton Orr. Um, Colton and I had some really, really good toe-to-toe bouts. Um, we, we had two really good fights. Um, super strong guy, punched really hard. Um, before he made his jump to the NHL. Um, but, you know, fought him, fought him early on in his career, and then he just kind of kept going and just started. There's, there's a time in the NHL where he was, Easily one of the toughest guys in the NHL, and yep. and, and another one of those guys. I would say I was lucky to uh, lucky to fight him early. Maybe I got him a little green, uh, but uh, did very well against them. But you know, another guy, you have to be very aware, be very aware of of, of, of where his hands were at all times because I could never take that guy lightly. No, and like you said, he uh, yeah he he uh, he turned out the lights on a few guys for sure, and. Uh, yeah, actually, I think uh, yeah, I think your American League hockey fights I have on my YouTube channel um, when, he, when he was in Providence. Um, yeah, like you said, uh, you know, another another Western League kid coming up, and uh, um, hey, while we're kind of just talking, and you know, as as we're going on, um, in terms of um, I know a lot of the listeners always like when I when I have to ask this, but um, with your jerseys, did you ever do anything with your jerseys? in terms of tie-downs or anything, or with the sleeves? Uh, no, I was, uh, I, I always wore a goalie-cut jersey, so I always had a very baggy jersey. Um, I, I didn't like the tight sleeves, or I didn't like airways or anything like that. I actually, like, so I, I came in an era, was, was transitioning when you all, all of a sudden had to wear your tie-down. A lot of guys didn't like that. I, I always liked to keep my jersey on, and uh, because I was always, I, I was I was worried that if it got over my head and you get caught in, caught in, in in the arm trying to get it out, then it's 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 a handicap more than more than you know it helps. So I like to have my jersey on, but I did wear a goalie jersey, um, you know, really big jersey, um, the ability to you know kind of move inside my jersey when people grab onto it, so you never had really tight really tight hold of me. Um, I was always one that that kind of fought some angles. Was, was never fortunately never really hit that square when I was fighting. Um, I always came from the side, came in, and I like to spin a lot, so so um, I like to have a tie down on and, and a loose jersey to be able to do some different things, even even when somebody did have a, a, a grab on me, whether it was my arm or my neck or something like that. So still gave me a little bit of wiggle room to uh, to move around. Now, is that something, I mean, obviously as the years went on, you kind of, you know, everyone kind of gets into their, their style and learns it. Was there someone that was sort of really influential with you, or was it just something you did on your own? Uh, no, I think it was just something I did on my own. Um, you know, there were so many different techniques out there as, as far as, you know, like you said, tie-downs, no tie-downs, you know, maybe somebody's... Uh, somebody could have uh, Velcro in the elbow of their sleeves or something like that, little tricks like that, or have a really tight jersey where you, where you could get a really good grab. Um, but no, everybody kind of had their own thing, but I, I can't say that I really had a mentor 
of, of or somebody that I looked at, a trick of the trade, to be able to do that. It was just kind of, like I said earlier, I guess a trial by fire. Just kind of figure it out on your own. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, well, like you were saying, like when you were throwing punches and stuff from angles and spinning, again, was that just something that you came up with? or Like I know like we were just talking about Louisville, and I, I, I just think of like a guy like Rocky Thompson who kind of had that chuck and duck type of style and, and, and that type of thing, yeah. and, you know, um, and just different. Like, again, was it just something? Because, I mean, obviously when you're, when you're in the room and on the road with these guys and on the ice all the time, I mean, obviously, you guys would have like worked. I would assume you would have worked on stuff together. Yeah, we would work on. We would goof around after practice, just more wrestling around and you know, kind of toss each other. And you know, we we would give her tips and just kind of cross reference. Well, this is what I do in this situation. What do you do? And and you know, we kind of get little ideas. But but at the end of the day, you know, you have to react. You can't do too much out there. Um, you know, I guess. A lot of times, like I said, if you go into a fight, just almost like if you go in too mad trying to kill somebody and you just go in super aggressive and you, you worry about your punches, you know, knowing where these are coming from, that can get you in trouble too. So it's, uh, I always, I always like to, you know, try and get a good grab. I was always a big righty earlier on, then kind of transitioned into knowing how to use my left so I could set up my right. So there was just a lot of, through through experience and, and you know trial and error and, and stuff like that, you just kind of get um, going through it. Like you said, just to, just experience. You you know you know when you've taken one, so that's the best uh, that's the best teacher. Is <laughs> when you get your you either don't do it anymore or you figure out how to do it better. Did you ever? Um, I mean, I mean, obviously, I would think as it went on. I don't want to say it got easier. That's not the right word. Um, did you find did you, yourself, did you ever find that balance of like where like you're almost psyching yourself out sometimes to, you know what I mean? Or when you got older, did you sort of, did it calm down? Did it get, did it get easier in that sense for you or did it get harder? I think it turned from, from um, apprehension and, and a little bit of fear to respect. Um you know, when you're first getting to it in junior and then you move to pro and there's a lot of big guys, there's, there's a lot of, I, I wouldn't say you're scared, but you're, you're on edge. You, you, you don't know what's going to happen. But as you go on, and it does, don't get me wrong, you can get knocked out at any time. But, you know, as you get more experience, you fight more, um, you start to get stronger. Um, it, the, the, I guess the apprehensiveness or, or the anxiety turns into a lot more respect. It's not that you approach it any different, but your, your, I guess your, the butterflies in your stomach turn to respect and then you get more focused. When, when earlier on when you're fighting, you're just throwing, trying to survive and then you, you get better at it, you get into more fights, you, you start to respect people more and then also you get to respect what you have to offer as well. So you get to learn your own tools and, and you get to, uh, you get to impose those. Because like I said, when you're younger, you're just trying to figure it out. You're trying to throw. You're trying not to get hurt. You're trying to, you know, try not to embarrass yourself. And then then as you get on, you get more respect for your opponents on how they fight. And you get more respect for your own tools. So I think you get a little bit more confidence. But but you always have to respect the other opponent. Because like I said, at any time, you could be you could be licking the blue line if you don't respect the, the, the other opponent. doesn't matter who it is. No, absolutely. 
Well, I was going to ask you what you were saying, like when you when you're when you're messing around in practice and ever. And it, did it ever get serious? Did any of the pre- the fun practice things ever get like? Uh, oh, that was a little stiff, and you throw one, uh, throw a receipt back, and next thing you know, you guys are going at it. That ever happened? No, not really, because I, I think that's a technical thing. But w- w- fights would break out in practice just from like five on five down low, intense practicing. You know, you're driving the net hard, and, and your own teammate cross checks you in the ribs or slashes you over the wrists, and then that's when it gets heated. Um, but when we when we were wrestling or or, or talking or you know, talking technique or or you know, if you did slip one by somebody, you usually stopped right away. Said sorry about that. One thing you used to get so stupid of us, we would always wrestle and try to pull each other around. The jersey burn that we would get on the back of our necks just from practice yeah. was was so silly. We'd have big red jersey burn on the back, and and then you know those when you keep getting, jersey burn takes forever to heal too. It's a rash that is always is always you know inflamed for the for for weeks and weeks because you can just get those polyester jerseys not too much downy in those things so (laughs) (laughs) yeah i was gonna ask you well you just made me think when you were talking there did you ever uh was there ever a teammate that you had that was just like just like uh, uh, balls to the wall like even in practice like to the point where you're like hey dial it down turbo like calm down it's just practice did you ever do you ever have a teammate like that No, I think everybody is pretty. I, I've been told to tone it down a lot in practice myself. So oh, I'm that was you. Okay, <laughs> <laughs> uh, it, it was me. It was me. You know, if, if if you're playing down low, you're on the penalty kill or something like that. No, I, you know, you always want to get better. You always want a game like situation. I've been told to to relax a little bit sometimes. So uh, I guess I would have been the guy. <laughs> <laughs> uh, all right, uh, we're at number three. No, uh, number two. I would have to say, um, so we talked about Parker and, and Chara already, but, you know, one guy that, you know, I, I fought this guy and I was so eager to do well against them, but he just absolutely uh, bent me over his knee and gave me a spank and was Eric Karen. He was such a big dude and he was so strong. Um, like he was, I, I think he's, Six, six or six seven so on skates obviously he's close to seven feet i was six i think a little around six two um you know i went i i think i'm the one that went at him and he was like surprised like what are you doing and i i was it was one of those fights so i'm gonna do really well against this big dude and uh i started off with a couple good rights and then after that he just strung me out and just started just feeding me and then and that was one of those fights where i just couldn't recover he just, his long arms held me out there, and he was so strong that I just couldn't grab him again, and he just kind of just kept feeding me until until I went down. So, um, absolutely a monster. And uh, I was talking to uh, Mark Parrish. He was talking about, uh, Parrish was in Florida before that, but then he went to the Islanders, and I, I met up with Parrish after after the game, and he's like, what are you doing fighting that guy? I'm like, I don't know. <laughs> I don't I don't have an answer for that because you see, you see how it went, so... Um, he's another guy I don't think he gets a lot of uh, when it talks to about really tough guys. He's in that circle, but he was an absolute monster. He, he really was. He he, uh, he did okay against a lot of big guys as well. So Yeah, and it was like, um, well, and like you said, I think the thing with Karens too is um, 
when he first kind of came up with the Rangers, I mean, he took some some kickings. I mean, he got dropped a bunch of times. Yeah. And I remember people were talking like he kind of had a glass jaw, and it was. Uh, but then all of a sudden, it's whatever. When he got to the Islanders, something clicked there, and it's like, yeah, he he became well, one of the, I'm the, the top uh, guys. He got his confidence from me. Well, he got his confidence from me. Maybe <laughs> I'm the guy that turned it around for him. <laughs> there you if go. Somebody should have told me the glass jaw. I would have. I would have punched. I would have tried to punch it earlier, but I guess uh, I couldn't reach it. <laughs> Yeah, it was wild because I can remember like a, like Barubi got him and Rob Ray dropped him and I mean there was a I remember it was um, oh, I can't remember who was on the show uh, what show he was on it was a friend of his uh, Pat Barton was talking about it and because uh, they played junior together and they're friends and stuff and he was just saying how he just had a real tough time when he kind of first turned pro but uh, yeah he just kind of put it all together and uh, like you said when he got to the island there. Um, you didn't lose many after that. And like you said, when you're that big and you can put it together and figure things out, it's like, yeah, that's a scary combination. Yeah. I'm, well, maybe, like I said, maybe I'm the guy that turned it around for him. Uh, anything, anything for a fellow, uh, tough guy. <laughs> there you go. Yeah. Jo- Joey Tedarenko <laughs> helping where need be. Yeah. Uh, well, here we are. The moment of truth. The number one, yeah, Joey Tedarenko's top five toughest opponents. And I would have to say, my fight, we went over it uh, on, on, on our first episode, Jim McKenzie. Jim McKenzie was an absolute monster. He yep. uh, it was my first NHL fight, and I was so eager to get into the fight. And uh, silly me, we had just we were in New Jersey. We had just gone up. I think it was 2 nothing. And I don't know if it's silly me or silly, uh, silly Terry Murray. He puts me out right after a goal, and they send out Jim McKenzie. And, and and obviously Jim wants to uh, he wants to turn the title of the mental game and naive stupid me any other time I would have said no we're ahead blah 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 but I was so I had such a hard on to get my first NHL fight it was at center ice and he said uh, that we we've talked about this well not not directly but the story has come out and and Jim said he thought that I asked him to go and then I thought I, he asked me to go but as soon as the puck dropped. I turned and, and, and faced them, and he had his left right in my nose before I could even know what was going on. And then, you know, trying to get back into the fight, just, you know, just an absolute man. And, you know, trying to get loose, and, and he probably could have done way worse, but I think he realized that he had broken my nose right off the hop, so he just kind of tied me up and let the linesman come in. But, uh, you know, an absolute, uh, an absolute uh, shit-kicking there as well. So in, in that in that game, we came for my first hockey card. So I had gauze all the way up my nose, and my nose was sideways on my first hockey card from Jim McKenzie. So I'll always remember that one. So. <laughs> yeah, well, well, like you said, though, there's another guy, Jim McKenzie. Um, I think a lot of people sort of like sleep on him. And it's like uh, not so much like other fighters, but I'm just like just the fans as the years go on. It's like he kind of, uh, he sort of gets, uh, he's sort of, he's definitely underrated. I mean, if you go back and YouTube and, and for the people listening, if you, if you don't understand, go to YouTube and just type in Jim McKenzie and go down that rabbit hole, you're not going to find too many L's on that fight card. Yeah. And I, and I think it's because when he played his career, like he was on teams that we probably didn't see a lot on TV. Yeah. And you know, I, I never watched Hartford. I never watched Hartford a lot. And you know, he was on on Jersey, which was was good, but I, I don't 
I don't remember seeing Jim McKenzie a lot on TV when I was coming up through junior and anything like that. I always, I always knew he was a super tough guy, but you know, you always saw the Ty Domies. You always saw, you know, the Bob Proberts on TV all the time were always talked about. So I think, I think those guys, you know, they get credit obviously because of who they are. What they get. There's a lot of guys, you know, that played on some teams that weren't telecast a lot of times that you didn't really know. You didn't really know were that tough. And I think, because Jim played in, in Hartford for a lot of those years, you didn't realize how, how tough he was. No, that's true. Well, and then speaking of that, um, another guy that uh, probably that falls in that category of people didn't get to see play a lot because he was in Florida and unfortunately had to retire because of the wrist and a teammate of yours, but a really underrated and yeah. tough dude was Paul Laws. Yeah, and Paul, Paul was at the the Brad Symes version of the NHL, it could look like Paul wasn't doing well in a fight, and all of a sudden, from out of nowhere, he would put his fist through someone's face, and he was he was an unpredictable, scary fighter, and sitting on the bench, bench watching him get in the fights, and, and he was such a big, strong dude. He wasn't very tall. He was only about six feet, six one, but he was that wide, and he had arms and hands. He was, you know... It looked like he had, had had the hands and the body of someone who was six five, but he just was not tall. He had really long arms. He was very very built. He was jacked. He was in such good shape, and he was mean. That's one one guy who you didn't want to go around in practice. You didn't want to be matched up against him in the corner because he played at that intense level all the time. Whether you're in practice, whether you're in game, he was just somebody that. You know, the the more intense the game got, the more intense Paul got, and he was always a, a level above everybody else. So he was a uh, he was a maniac out there. So yeah, he was, I was lucky he was on my team. And and you know, I, when you asked me to make my top five, I have so many guys on my list. Um, you know, like I have some honorable mentions. Chris McAllister, honorable mention, fought him. Pete Worrell, I fought him in training camp. And and it was it was when after Dwayne uh, Dwayne Sutter got fired and Mike Keenan was there, so I, I kind of felt like I needed a fight in camp, even like just one of the early scrimmages. So I went after Pete, and he was like, "What are you doing?" I'm like, "Come on, Pete, I need one. I got I got to stay on this team." <laughs> Pete ended up uh, kind of giving me a couple. I didn't do too well, but one of those another monster, Pete Worrell. I'm oh, glad yeah. he was on my team, but I did I did fight him in training, which was not fun. So. Well, like you said, yeah, honorable. Men. Well, and Chris McAllister, there's another large human, and um, yeah, you like going after the skyscrapers. Yeah, I, I guess I did. I always, did. I always uh, like for a while there. It was I would always I, I had to make sure they were six five and above. I guess I was. Uh, I, I guess I was looking for the challenge, and uh, maybe that's why I got uh, some permanent bruising on the top of my head. I don't know. <laughs> did, did you ever? Uh, like, did you ever get into a fight with a guy and were surprised? Like, you were kind of just kind of figuring, I'm going to whoop on this guy, and all of a sudden he, like, hit you with a few, and it was like, shit, I did not see that coming? Uh, yeah. I mean, like, I have on this list, as an, like, two guys that I was, I knew they were tough, but I was even more surprised as the fight was going on. Uh, Ryan Vandenbush in Chicago one night, and and. I, I knew he was a lefty, but I didn't really realize. It's not that I didn't take it seriously. I just kind of came in at the wrong angle. He got a good grab, and, and I just I was stymied by lefts by him. And he was throwing so fast. And, and, and for the size that he was, he wasn't a big dude too, but the strength. When he grabbed you, 
like you could feel how strong he was. And, and the same with with Pete Vandermeer. I I, I had I had fought on his uh, I think his little brother Jim, and then later in my career I fought Pete in Houston. Um, you know we were going to fight, and it's not that I respect him, took him lightly, but he hit me. He hit me with a left so hard at the beginning of the fight. He actually broke my nose and broke my orbital bone. And, and you know, um, super surprised at, at how tough and how strong he was for the size he was. Because he was an absolute warrior. Yeah. Uh, well, you talked about Chicago the one night. Um, what was it like being out there against Probert? Did you ever line up with him? Yeah, I actually, actually did my own input. Um, and I... Uh, and I asked him, I said, hey, hey, Bob, let's go, let's fight. And he looked at me, he's like, not tonight, kid. You could just tell he just didn't want to. And he said, he also said, I'm going to try and score a hat trick tonight. And then the puck dropped and he skated away. I'm like, oh, all right. But he, he did end up scoring two goals that night, so I thought that was pretty cool. So I was like, maybe I should have asked him if he wanted to get his great hat trick with me, but uh, it never worked out. I, I'm not sure if it was the same game or another. That's another one. Paul lost, hit him in the forehead so hard and split him wide open. And then it was like I was I was scared for Mr. Probert at that point. Paul lost absolutely jackhammered his forehead, and it was uh, it was a scary punch. Yeah, because I think that would have been right. I think that probably be about Probert's last season. I would think right was your first yeah. was right around there. Yeah. yeah. So uh, you know, yeah, that's a that was a long road for sure. But uh, yeah, I was just always wondering if you had your Probert moment. But uh, you tried anyway. I I tried. I tried. I had my George LaRock moment as well. We were in Edmonton, and uh, we had hit each other at center ice kind of by accident. And uh, the puck went for icing, and we were just kind of dancing there. We were kind of doing our gloves, and he's like, do you want to go? I'm like, do you want to go? Blah, blah, But the, the, the whistle had already gone, and players were going to the bench, and finally the ref comes over and said, are you guys going to do something or, or quit wasting everybody's time? So we just kind of turned around and went to our bench, and I was like, thank God. Thank God. <laughs> so, But, uh, yeah, I never, never got to fought, fight Mr. George LaRock. But, uh, no, it was, uh, it, was, it was an absolute... It was an absolute, you know, any team that you fought. I mean, you watch hockey nowadays. There's, there's some tough guys, but not like, not like back 10, 15 years ago. So, no. Do you, do you watch hockey anymore? Yeah, I do. I, I do, and I, I, uh, I have kids that I have, I have young kids that play hockey, so I watch the game with them. Um, you know, and, and we talk about hockey and analyze. I kind of pick their brain what, what, what they look, look at when they're seeing hockey and stuff like that, but. You know, they get a lot of questions about, you know, t- toughness nowadays compared to back then. And, you know, hear people, I, I guess the, the polite word would be talking about the Tom Wilsons and the Ryan Reeves of the world and stuff like that. And I just say, you know what, you know, if Tom Wilson will do whatever you let him get away with. And, uh, you know, you don't be, don't be, uh, upset for the Rangers. They have the ability to dress those guys too. And, and, and I, I assume next year the Rangers will have somebody that can, you know, push back. Um, you know, Tom Wilson has Zidane Chara in his back pocket as well. So I think he's got some confidence to go around, run around like that. But, uh, you know, teams will, will do whatever you can get away with. And, uh, you know, if you have a team with bad defense or bad goaltending, you know, what do you do in the off season? You'll get a better goaltender and you get better defensemen. So, you know, whatever's uh, whatever's happening out there, you have to counter. If you can't counter right then, you have to you have to find a way to remedy it. So I think it'll always be part of the game. Maybe not at the level like we did 15, 20 years ago, but 
you know, if, if things like that happen, it's a catalyst for, for you to have to get the right weapons to defend that. So, um, so yeah. That's well, well, it's, in, it's, it's interesting. Well, it's interesting you brought up Wilson because, of course, I had a whole Sunday rant episode about Wilson. A couple, you know, with the whole Ranger thing. I, I don't know. That whole Ranger thing to me was like a bunch of nothing. I'm like, I don't know what everybody's getting mad about because that shit used to be Tuesday back in the day. So I don't know what people are getting worked up about. Yeah. Did you see anything with that? Yeah. Like, I don't know. Not really. I just thought he, I thought he was another hockey. He was like that stuff happens. You know, if you get pushed around, you man up and you push back. It's just because, you know, yeah, everything's kind of getting softer. But, you know, if if, if you have somebody that's doing that, you have every right and intensive purpose to do it back. You, you know what I mean? It's like I, I don't think hockey's the sport where you can play the victim. I'm sorry, but you cannot do that. <laughs> it's, no. not, it's not the sport where you can play the victim. So, So anybody who's... Who's who's upset about what happened? Well, you know what, the the Capitals tried to take advantage of the Rangers. The Rangers, the next game, you know, manned up and did it as a team on the way back. So it's just the ebb and flow of, of the way it happens. So yeah, I don't think you can cry wolf, play play victim because hockey's not the sport to do that. There's people who always talk that way, but you know, when when if the cameras weren't rolling and there wasn't fans in the stands, you know what it's a different game at ice level. It, 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 it's a lot different what you see at ice level than, than what you see on, on Hockey Night in Canada. There's a game within the game, and, you know, I don't think somebody who's never played or, or somebody who's never been a part of that role or done it for a living and, and had as much passion involved in, in that job, uh, it, it's hard for somebody like that to understand what's going on down there. Exactly. No, I'm glad. I'm so glad you mentioned that. Yeah, I mean, I've I've ranted and raved on Twitter for years about that. About uh, you know, like I said, you got the the couch jockeys at home saying, you know, oh that didn't mean anything, or that you know this or that, or even the announcers. And it's like you're not down there, like you don't know what's going on and what's being said or what was done, or you know, it's just uh, yeah, you got to be a part of it for sure. Yeah, and there's there's so many things that could happen before that incident. Who who knows? Like, take there might be, it might go, it might be around the league that nobody likes the Rangers, and then there maybe they're, you know, and I'm just using Rangers as an example. I don't know this for a fact, but there's there's teams we used to play. We just despise the team just because of their attitude when they walked into a rink. So there's there's so many different variables to to why things happen out there that you that you don't see that the camera or or the announcers or you know, there, there's so many things that, that, like I said, people don't see or there might have been something that happened five games before last year, you know. You know, when it comes to retribution, hockey players have a long memory. Yeah. And it we, goes both ways. Absolutely. Well, when you were with, like, Florida, uh, for example, I mean, like you said, you had, what, what, uh, what team did you guys not, like, what, t- what team did the Panthers get up for when you were there that you just hated? Uh, you know, Tampa and Atlanta. Atlanta, I think we just we just hated playing Atlanta because we were both bottom feeders and the games were an absolute shit show all the time. We'd have line brawls and there'd be guys fighting all the time. It was just, it seemed like every time we played Atlanta, there was, there was always something going on. 
there was always line brawls. There was always scrums. There was always things happening. Um, who else? You know, Tampa was our, our state rival. So we always had good games against them. But the, the Southeast Division wasn't a very strong division. So um, we, we we didn't have very many wins while I was there. Um, so, yeah, it was kind of, I would say Atlanta would probably be our biggest, you know, people that we got up for and didn't like playing against. So. There you go. Um, not a very sexy, not a very sexy pick, but I'm sorry, but... <laughs> Well, actually, it was funny when you said Atlanta, you threw me off for a second. I'm like, Atlanta, the Knights? I'm thinking of the IHL. I'm like, oh, yeah, that's right. They had an NHL team. I forgot for a second. Yeah. What was your your favorite road place to go to to play? Uh, New York City. Well, New York City, Chicago, like, you know, uh, Boston. Some of the big original six cities. Uh, yep. Montreal, Toronto, they were just, it, the cities were amazing, and, you know, it, it was just a different different atmosphere when you went to an original six city, you know, the, the history of the buildings that we were in, you know, right at that point is when everybody was going to new arenas, I didn't get to play in the old Boston Garden or the, the, the Maple, Leafs, Maple Leaf Garden, but I think I played the old Chicago Stadium, if that serves me correctly, right before they went, might have been only exhibition one year before they went into the new one. But even the atmosphere of how the press treated the game from the old original six and and how things ran when you were in the rink, it was just more of a you know classic feel to the game. Uh, don't get me wrong; it's it's a lot of fun going into Nashville and LA and stuff like that. But uh, anytime you have a chance to play in an original six building or play an original six team, like teams that you grew up watching just meant a little bit, meant a little bit more is a little bit more special. Okay. Oh, excellent. Yeah. Um, well, I won't, uh, I won't keep you too much. What's that? And going to Edmonton and going to Edmonton because, uh, grew up watching Oilers in their heyday. And then that's well, Calgary and Edmonton were the place where, where a lot of your family and friends got to come and see you. So that was always special as well. How, how many uh, tickets did you have to buy? Did you bug all the guys for their tickets? Uh, no, I, I I was a rookie. I didn't even bug for tickets. I think I just kind of I, I went to the our, our media guy and I said, "Here, I need twenty five. Here's my credit card. Whatever it costs." So I wasn't gonna I wasn't gonna go up to uh, Scott Mellenby or or <laughs> any. You're, you were gonna ask Bur- you were gonna ask Burray for his tickets. No, I wasn't gonna ask Tav. I wasn't gonna ask Tav. He probably wouldn't even know what that meant. He's like, "What? What tickets for what?" <laughs> How? Well, speaking of Pat, like obviously you played with the old Russian Rocket, there, old Pavel. How was Pavel? Did you get along with him? I we we sat beside each other on the plane, and he was like, he was like a big kid. He just loved he loved hockey so much. And yeah, he had the bravado, he had the flash and dash and everything, but he was a big kid. He loved scoring goals. I, I, to this day, I don't think I've ever played with another person who loved scoring goals as much as Pavel Burry, even in practice. He would stay on the ice for an hour, an hour and a half after just um, doing breakaways on Trevor Kidd. And they would, and he just loved it. Um, he might show up to practice only five minutes before practice, but he would stay on it an hour just doing breakaways and, and just having fun scoring. Like, he would cheer and he would love scoring even in practice. 
He, he just had that's one guy that had pure joy for the game of hockey and he was a superstar doing it and it was he, he was an awesome teammate too he uh, on the road he would treat treat the guys to dinners at, at at nice restaurants and he would take care of the tab and he was he was a great teammate he he really was so he wasn't he he had a he had a lot of nice cars and a lot of different houses, but he, he treated his teammates very well, and he was uh, he was a very, very cool guy to be around. Well, and I mean, of course, the name Russian Rocket, and I, I laugh, you know, on social media, of course, all the all these young kids talking about how fast everything is today and how slow everybody was back then. How fast was Pavel Bure? He would be fast. He, he would be, he would be, like, he was kind of like, um, I don't think anybody's quite in the McDavid echelon, but he's he's he was just as explosive as um, as McKinnon in, in Colorado. Like he he just when he decided to turn it on, and, and obviously we weren't that great of a team, so I don't think he was very happy at times with the talent he had around him when he was on our team. But when he decided to turn it on. He was unbelievable. There's nobody fast from the first five strides that I've ever seen in my life. He would explode. He would go from zero to top speed instantly, and, and he was gone. So I think a lot of people saw him as opportunistic, but, you know, maybe at times. But, I don't know, my first year he scored 58 goals. So uh, for, for being opportunistic, that's that's a lot of opportunity. Yeah, <laughs> you have to create a little good. bit when you're scoring for 58. Yeah, that's pretty good. Yeah. Well, I won't keep you too much longer, but I do have a couple more questions for you because uh, one of them just came across my feed, and somebody kind of, kind of brought it up. And since you played with him, I'll ask. Um, it is rumored, of course, that uh, the San Jose Sharks have given teams permission, and Arizona being one of them, to talk to Rocky Thompson as he's the assistant coach in San Jose. Um, when you played with Rocky, did you see head coach in him? Maybe not head coach. As our careers went on and he moved, I, I thought he was a great fit. He was always a student of everything that he ever did. You know, not a lot of people realize this, but Rocky's a scratch golfer. He's a Golden Gloves boxer, and he studies everything he does. He's a very analytical person, and to tie it in with his personality and the work ethic that he needed to be able to play at the level he did, you know, it's a great combination. Um, you know, to see him have success. I'm so happy for him, but now that it's all coming to fruition, I'm not surprised because he's always been a student of everything he's done. He's been very, very methodical. He's, he's, you know, everybody thinks Rocky Thompson of the long hair, no tooth and the crazy guy. But, you know, even talking with Rocky, that was, that was something he felt he had to do to stay. It was, it was always, he always did things for a result. It was never just reactive. He was very smart at everything he did, and so I'm not surprised he's he's uh, he's where he's at. And I know he'll be a coach in the NHL very soon. If it's not if it's not uh, that are coming up right now, you know he's he's somebody that people want in the staff, whether he's a head coach or anything like that, because he's such a he he's a very smart guy, and he was an amazing teammate as well. So he understands what has to be done in a room. And a lot of people look at X's and O's, but a lot of what I think what a lot of teams need right now is people that know how a good dressing room works because that's half of the battle. You can you can have the best systems in the world, but if you don't have the right personalities, or know how to manage the personalities in the room, and sometimes managers not 
doing anything, just letting a, a room organically, you know, take shape and, and then kind of coaching from there. So Rocky's uh, definitely somebody who's, who's able to do that. What's well, interesting you brought that up, and like you said, with the analytics and everything. I mean, anal- analytics are such a big thing in hockey now. Um, you know, and especially, and I think um, sort of that analytics community, um, I know a lot of times when people, like when a guy is signed, uh, like, you know, a guy like yourself, or Rocky, or what have you, or, you know, a fourth line, a grinder guy, or what have you, um, you know, you always hear that, oh, he's good in the room. You know, or the, he's a room guy and stuff like that. And these analytics guys sort of like you can you can almost hear their eyes rolling because they can't put a number on it. They can't quantify it with anything. But like you said, that's a very important. That's why analytics, you can't build a team with. I've always said you can't build a team on analytics, not just on those alone, because you can't measure the intangibles. Right. And that's that's the problem with analytics. No, absolutely. And, and you can have some of the best players in the world. But if, if they don't get along, they don't click the right way, you can have the best analytic guys on the ice. But there still has to be a degree of, of the unknown that makes something work. Why is, you know, why is, you know if, if that's the case, how come the same team doesn't win the Stanley Cup every year? I know there's, there's teams that will go three out of four or a couple in a row, but, you know, there, there's never somebody that, and if that's the case, they would go 82-0 and 0 as well. And it would be a video game. You just press, you press, uh, simulate season, and then there you go. That's why you play the games. Yep. Yeah. No. Absolutely. Well, one one last thing before you go, I gotta ask you because, like, I mean, uh, uh, what's uh, Joey Tedarenko's uh, playoff predictions? Who's winning it? Who's winning it? I see Colorado and Tampa in the final. Uh, kind of sucks that my old team is playing Tampa first round, but it's uh, good for the state of Florida. I, I wish, uh, I, I just think uh, with Kucherov and uh, and Stamkos back and, and Tampa getting healthy, I think they have a good chance of doing it again. And I, I think uh, Colorado's maturing. You know, they've always had the talent the last couple of years, but I think they've matured and and uh, and I think they're realizing how good they are. So I, I have Tampa in Colorado in the finals, but I think Tampa's going to beat Colorado. Well, there you go, folks. You heard it here. The fearless predictions of Joey Tedarenko. Uh, <laughs> well, there you go, man. That was uh, your five five top opponents and uh, some solid honorable mentions and uh, even some Pavel Bure talk. What more do the people want? I think we gave it to them tonight. Well, awesome. And then as time goes on, we talked about, we can go for round three. And Absolutely. All over. <laughs> yeah, well, because, I mean, there's a there's a bunch of stuff. I, I mean, I going through your, uh, you know, not only your fight card, but, of course, all the guys that you played with and stuff. Oh, I, and, and I know I've, you've got a million stories. So, uh, yeah, we if, if you're willing, I'm definitely ready to hit record on, on round three uh, sometime soon. Well, anytime, especially nowadays, I'm uh, sitting sitting around. I think taking my days a lot. So, uh, anytime you want to you want to take up some of my time, I'm, I'm more than willing. You know, I love talking about you know hockey and, and the rough side of it, and you know, flattered that people may want to hear about my my career and stuff like that. So, it, it's it's a lot of fun. It makes me makes me feel real good. So, thank you.
Oh, absolutely. No, and it's, uh, and it's great. Always great hearing from you. And I'm, I'm very happy that you, uh, you ditched the East and you came back, you came home, you came back West just outside of, uh, Alberta, uh, Calgary, Alberta there. The Calgary Edmonton, where are you? Just outside of Calgary. Uh, just outside of Calgary. Just outside of Calgary. So, uh, um, absolutely floored to be able to be closer to family and friends. Uh, just being out West is a lot of fun. Uh, a lot of good people out east, but uh, happy to be closer to home. There we go. All right, Joy, I won't keep you too much longer, but uh, thank you very much uh, for uh, for doing this on short notice, and uh, we'll definitely do round three. All right, thanks, buddy. Have thanks, a great one. You too, man. Appreciate it. Thank you. And you people that don't like fighting, how many of you did you walk out and get a coffee while that was 